Welcome to Powering Conversations with SP Energy Networks with me, Rachel Malcolm. Today we are delighted to be joined by Scotland football team captain, Rachel Corsi. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, all right. Welcome to sunny BT Murrayfield. Thank you. As ever. Nice to be here. Good. <laughs> Have you ever played here? Uh, we've played here once against England in a snowstorm, so it was pretty horrendous. Oh dear. Uh, but should we head inside and have a chat? Let's go. Well, welcome, Rachel, to the Pound Conversation studio, uh, Glamorous, as ever. Uh, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. You are just off the back of a big win. Mm -hmm. How are you and the team feeling? Pretty good, I think. Um, I was actually really nervous before the game. Well, I think you knew because we kept <laughs> bumping into each other all last week. Um, it was just, the, the game, obviously, the nature of it against Ukraine, you didn't really, you didn't know what to yeah. expect, but also, I mean, the week before we met for camp, I didn't even know where my boots were, and I was really hoping they were in the hall <laughs> covered, which they were. Um, but it just took a few people a few days to just get back up to speed. So. How long have you had you not been playing for before you came into camp? It had been six weeks since yeah. I last had a, a competitive game, so that's mad. Enough to definitely lose your touch. <laughs> so, um, but no, it it was a good one, I think. The biggest thing was, which I think the girls have sort of, you can tell that it was just such a good week. and Yeah, like a lot of the stuff that I've seen off the back of you being in camp was just like how good the vibes are. Yeah, which is so, it's, it's definitely not always been like that, which I'm sure you can imagine. Yeah, so well, the tough times make it tough to be in camp sometimes. Yes, <laughs> so it's, it's just a, a really good group. A lot of people have some really close friends, which again, you don't always get, but yeah. it's, it's just naturally people have come through and played with each other for an, a lot of years. Um, and yeah, so it was really good. And obviously 4-0 was a really good result. Yeah, class. Well, we'll come back to talking about, obviously, what you guys are working towards at the minute. But we're going to go back to the start okay. and talk a little bit around kind of how you got into sport and how you got into rugby. So before, not rugby, football. <laughs> <laughs> so before we kind of delve into your career and stuff, what was the kind of thing which got in sport? Were you always in sport? Was it your family? Like, what was it? I've always loved sport, um, but probably, uh, it definitely wasn't forced upon me, but it kind of was something that naturally I fell into, um, partly because my mum and dad loved football. So my dad played and, and sort of ran a, just an amateur team. Um, they were quite good, but it, it was sort of the options for me on a Saturday where I either went with my mum to watch Aberdeen, which is where we grew up, um, she still has a season ticket or if I wasn't doing that which obviously when I was younger I wasn't typically doing that I would just be dragged along with my dad to his football and um, I was kind of just immersed in that from a really young age um, I, I can remember being probably really quite young so probably only five or six and I'd be sitting in sort of not in the actual changing room but in the kind of pavilion that they had and I would just be with the groundsmen filling the water bottles or like carrying the flags out for the corner flag, just little things like yeah. that. And it was kind of just my life. And as I, as I grew older, you know, I would, there was a hill that kind of came off the back of the pitch and if the guys missed the ball would go down the hill. And my job on a Saturday was I had to run down the hill and get the ball and run back up with it. Um, and I was just kind of surrounded by that from a really young age. Yeah. And I think that's probably where the passion for football started. Um, and then through school, sort of football wasn't really a focus, but sport definitely was. I pretty much played anything that you could. And 
I was fortunate that my year at school was quite a sporty year in terms of there was probably seven or eight other other girls that loved playing sport too. So, you know, sort of cross country, athletics, netball, vol just badminton, volleyball, tennis, anything that was you could play, I basically played. Um, and and that was kind of how it began. So you're attributing your career to the groundsman at your football club? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, so, like, from what you're saying, you obviously had quite a lot of opportunities, I guess. Yeah. So would you say it was easy to get into football as a young girl in Aberdeen? No, definitely not. Okay. Um, and I would say... I mean, up until I was sort of 15 or 16, I only played football once a week because yeah. every day was a different sport. Um, which, you know, nowadays, kids are playing yeah. three, four times a week, two or three games at a weekend. Yeah. Um, so, no, I, it was really not something I ever thought would become my career. Um, even being involved in kind of elite level, there probably, there were some pathways, you know, relatively young age you start to get identified you go to little like development squad yeah. groups and um I probably was on that track but it wasn't anything that I was consciously really aware of yeah um, and anytime I did go to anything there probably always was one or two other people that I knew going so I just kind of thought I was going to play with my friends without yeah. really realizing this was a pathway to something um which I think is both a blessing and a curse because it meant it was always fun for me it, yeah. there was never the pressure of you have to strive for the next thing and the next yeah. thing and the next thing it was I was just going and having a great time and I was a kid that loved being outdoors so I, like I say I would I would do anything yeah. um but it as I got older I would say actually being from the northeast there was probably quite a lot of barriers that almost almost became the drive that did kind of push me yeah. on um because there's naturally just a central belt bias Maybe bias is a harsh word, but naturally the, the people in the central belt are seen more often by it. Yeah. the coaches that then are involved in elite level selection, things like that. So, um, yeah, there's definitely some hurdles along the way. That sure Have you seen change in that? Like, I don't know if you go back there much at all, but like, is, is, has that changed? Is it something you're passionate about to improve, I guess, in the women's game? Yeah, I, my parents are still in Aberdeen, so yeah. I still go home a lot. Aberdeen's it's a club I support. <laughs> yeah, I still like my parents. <laughs> Good. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I go home a lot and, and when I do, I try and, you know, not necessarily see the women's team, but I, I still go to the club and I'm still, you know, in touch with people at the club and I know yeah. that the men's team have now taken on a lot more responsibility for the women's team, which naturally just has sort of a trickle-down effect to, to the youth level structure. Um, and now sort of their senior team are back in the top division, which again just this helps everything. And, and there, are, there are definitely more opportunities. There's there's more awareness to the fact that there needs to be pathways for everybody. So it's definitely improved, but I think it's probably always going to be a challenge just yeah. naturally. Um, but there's definitely girls that are coming through the ranks at, from that area. And there, it's, it's, I think it's easier as well when they can possibly see other players, yeah. you know, not just me, but in the last couple of years, there's been a few <laughs> players that, you know, Kim Little, yeah. Rachel Small, Rachel McLaughlin, the Rachel thing, obviously, but... <laughs> very good, mate. Yeah. Um... <laughs> that have, have come through and I think that as well helps younger generations to 100%. at least associate with someone who they can see is, has gone on and, and reached the top. Did you have anyone growing up that I guess either inspired you or had like a big influence in terms of 
getting kind of more serious about the game. Obviously, he said it was all kind of fun, but there was obviously a point where he transitioned to being a little bit more serious. Yeah. Was there someone that kind of pushed that or inspired you or drove you towards that? Not that I can really consciously remember. Yeah. Um, probably my parents, I mean, both my parents, but my dad was sort of the one that always was mainly the one that would, would drive me to you know, down to Glasgow, down to Edinburgh, wherever there was trials. Um, and I was, suppose I was really fortunate that my parents could do that because had they not been able to kind of have the flexibility to take me to these things, which, you know, would be on a Tuesday afternoon or a Wednesday night, it, it, it's not possible for some people. And mm -hmm. that, that could have limited me. It could have been a barrier that meant that I wouldn't have been able to have the opportunities that I've had. So um, it was probably more just my parents allowing me to have the chance to to just keep moving through yeah. kind of the pathways that I feel, yeah. Looking back, that's, I know that was hugely important. Yeah. And then tell me a little bit about how you got into kind of senior women's football, but then obviously transitioning towards playing for Scotland. Yeah, so. I feel like this is probably a big story <laughs> to be jammed down to a whistle stop tour. Yeah, okay, well, go as quick <laughs> as you can. Um, I mean, it was, it was probably, Kind of that crucial age when you're 16, 17, you're making the choice of going to university. And yeah. like I said, I never really had a vision that I would end up playing professionally. Like I, I didn't turn pro until I was 23, I think it was, yeah. 24. Which is, it's not necessarily late, but it's late now in terms of there's, there's players yeah. signing pro contracts at 16. Um, I was always fairly focused academically and sport was kind of that escape almost. Yeah. Or like good balance to just keep me focused and, and stu on studies as well. So I chose to study up north at Robert Gordon University and I studied accounting and finance and that was probably around the time I was involved in the under-19s um, Scotland squad and we had a, we had quite a good, again fortunate, we had a good sort of group. We made the European finals which had only happened once before that so um, through that I then was scouted to go and play for Glasgow City which was kind of the biggest step up into the women's game but it was still amateur yeah. um, you know you, you I remember you still paid subs you know you had your yeah. monthly subs and you, you turned up once you signed you got your kit bag and you got a football and it, you had to bring your football to training and everyone in the team had their football and if you didn't bring your football you just had to do laps around the side because <laughs> we needed all we needed all 20 balls there so we could do the session yeah. um so you know that it's, 50, it's maybe like 14, 15 years ago now, which does seem a long time, but just to think of the growth, it, it feels like a lot's happened yeah, since then. Um, and that was then kind of the beginning of being involved in the senior national team. I was obviously still in Aberdeen studying. Um, so there was just, there was loads of travel. Um, I used, so I lived in Aberdeen. I would travel sort of two, three times a week to Glasgow to train, to play. Um, it, which was yeah, seventeen. <laughs> I don't know that many parents would advise their child to be driving no. whatever that is, two thousand miles a week. Um and I, I remember when I went to trade my car in um that I'd had during that sort of say three year period. Yeah. And um I'd I'd had I think it was like <laughs> a, yeah, it had done something like it was only like three years old and it had done something like eighty thousand miles and when I the guy was like, do you know how much mileage on the car? And I was like, oh, I think it's like 78,000 miles. And the guy like laughed and he thought, this silly little yeah. girl doesn't know that's cute. <laughs> so he like sent his, his mate out. He was like, can you just go and check what the mileage is on that? Yeah. Cleo or something. 
And the guy came back and he went, it's 78,000. <laughs> <laughs> the guy was just absolutely like speechless. Yeah. Um, but it was, pro- it was sort of the tail end of that that then got into the national team, senior national team. Um, by that point, I'd finished my professional accounting exams too. Um, and then it was kind of at that age, like I say, 23, 24. It was a case of if I'd stayed in the professional world, I probably would have got sucked into, you know, if you work in finance, you can, it becomes, you know, you're doing 80 hours yeah. a week. You can't play sport once you get to a certain point. And um, it was a partner at Ernst & Young in Glasgow that I worked at. He sort of said, I think you really need to try um, and see if you can play pro. Because if you yeah. don't do it now, I think you'll miss the opportunity. Yeah, and it sometimes takes someone like that to make you think like, oh, it's actually okay to like step away, step away. Yeah. and like not have a profession necessarily. Because like yeah. that's been a big transition that we've had recently in the terms of like we're also used to being like I do a million things, yeah, and I, yeah. I've got a job and I like and I do all these things, but it's actually okay to like because we are so used to it. Like I know we've got an accountant in our squad, and like I know what you mean around right? like it's yeah. like seeing what she put herself through. And she's from Aberdeen as well, so the travel, um, <laughs> like. It's just mental and like the toll it's taken, took on her to now see her kind of thriving. And like, I guess my question to you is like, how big a difference have you seen in how you as an individual, but also the other girls in the team have been able to kind of push on since taking that transition away from being kind of amateur to professional? Yeah, I think it's, it's hard to even quantify because just all of a sudden everything, you know, like the training part is one thing, but things like sleep, nutrition, rest, they're harder to measure, but having been able to do them consistently for so long, you now completely see the di- see the difference and the impact it has. Yeah. Um, but like you say, you don't know anything else. All you know is getting up at half five, going to training at six a.m., then going to work for eight hours, then coming back home to go back to training again, to then try and make something to eat for dinner at like ten p.m. at night, yeah. and then do your washing, and then prep your bags for the next day, and then get to your bed at 12 and then get five hours sleep and then the cycle just keeps going. Yeah. That's kind of all we know because for us, we've kind of gone through a, a time when there's not been, there's not been an alternative. Yeah. Um, so having now been able to be professional for eight years and to now see the players that are coming through from a younger age who've had the opportunity to start that at a younger age, you can't even measure the difference. Because no. Obviously it's, it's huge. Um, and that's why I think that you get the success yeah oh 100% and I was going to say like obviously since you've been captain you guys have qualified for two major tournaments do you think that is like I guess a result of having that extra support and and having that ability to be professional yeah I I think it has to be I mean probably the 2017 Euros which was the first tournament we qualified I think we were fortunate we had someone Anna Signal, who was the head coach at that time, she'd been the head coach for a, a, a long, probably, I don't know, maybe eight years yeah. prior to that. She'd put in a foundation that had had almost that set the platform to then be able to have the opportunities to probably go on and be professional. And you look back at the time, I just remember we used to always think she was crazy because <laughs> she had us up at 6 a.m. training. Yeah. And she had us, you know, we used to think doing one to two sessions a week was a lot. You think you're working so hard. And all of a sudden you have to do four sessions a week. You're like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. This is ridiculous. And now you look back and you're like, she was so ahead of the time for us. Yeah. And she's totally paved the way. And now, you know, I think 
those things are now just taking on a new level and yeah. it's huge. Yeah. Okay, that was all quite heavy, so let's chat about some of the fun <laughs> stuff. Uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about that kind of World Cup experience in terms of, obviously it was a massive kind of experience in terms of even just qualifying for it. I remember us guys like watching you guys along and just like getting so invested in it. But tell us a bit about kind of that experience of being captain, qualifying for World Cup and performing at World Cup. Yeah, it was... Oh, it's, it was surreal. And the, the one thing I will say is you you have to do your best to stay in the moment, but it's mm. so hard. Yeah. It's so, so hard. Um, I think st I c still to this day, I'd say qualifying was one of the best moments ever. Mm. Like, which obviously being at the tournament was unbelievable. But just that, that day, I can, I can still just so vividly picture like the actual changing room we were in. Because like, we were in Albania, which you know, it's possibly not where you would choose to enjoy <laughs> the celebrations, but equally yeah. that was what made it almost amazing because, you know, we were just all together. There was no other distractions. We just had each other. Yeah. Um, and so that that night was... Quiet. Very quiet. Very <laughs> early, 10, 10 p.m. bedtime, lights out. Um, no, it was just, yeah, it was just a really fun night. And I think, I feel this too in the women's game, you're so scared to do anything that you know potentially is could be frowned upon yeah or, but you have to celebrate the good things that you achieve like yeah. you have to because otherwise just yeah. pass you by and you look back and you think why did we not yeah enjoy that moment and those um, are also like sometimes the bits you actually remember yeah as in like you don't actually remember what happened in the game but you remember no. how yeah. you celebrated and like that those memories you make with your teammates yeah like from the last two minutes of the game and then yeah. the rest of the night well maybe not the whole night but, <laughs> but I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this but go for it when it, <laughs> that night if for some reason well I understand why that Alex who was our administrator who was amazing um she decided to hand out the passports the night before to be like here are your passports be on the bus we were leaving that's stupid like 4 a.m yeah she was like be on the bus at 4 a.m make sure when everyone's on like somebody be responsible and make sure nobody misses the bus so then we get on the bus we get to the bus at 4am and everyone was there but one one of the girls Christy couldn't find her passport Albania is a good place to be stuck as well eh? yeah so there's there's not a British embassy in Albania nice so <laughs> Christy and Alex we never found the passport so like we got to the airport she had the picture oh, on her goodness. phone she was like this is my passport but I don't I can't find I lost it. They were like, you can't get on. So it's something like Alex had to drive, I don't even, to another country that was close by that had a British embassy yeah. to then get Christy and you pat. So they were like stuck in Albania for like four days. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Just trying to get Christy home. But it turned out one of the other girls, who I won't name, had it, had got back to Gatwick. I was like, oh, here's a passport. <gasps> <laughs> Oh my goodness. So that, that's kind of like the story from the night that everyone yeah. remembers as like being us misbehaving. Yeah, fair. Which is, is tame <laughs> compared to some other stories I think that go around, but one for that you yeah, can publicise. An enjoyable one. <laughs> <laughs> and then talk a little bit around, I guess you, t you touched on there like how hard it is to stay in the moment. Do you find that harder as a captain, as a leader? Like as someone who you probably feel like a lot of responsibility for how the team is and how the individuals within the team are. Do you find it harder to sometimes stay in that moment because of that? I think so, which that's probably, 
not a flaw, but because it's something that I think is really important is yeah. being responsible for other people and people look to you a lot yeah. of the time. Um, but it definitely makes it hard because you just, you know that everyone is looking to you to, you know, I remember when COVID first started and um, we were, we had a tournament that was in Spain. Um, and I remember a couple of the girls phoned me and were like, is it safe to go? Mm. And obviously, like, none of us knew. None of us knew what was coming. But I was just like, yeah, yeah, to we'll be totally fine. This, it'll be great. There's nothing to worry about. And so then, like, she came off the phone and I think there was, like, five or six. I think she, she played for Glasgow City, so there were sort of five or six girls selected from that, her club. So she went back to club training the next day. She was like, nah, Rachel says, totally fine, be fine. So all the girls were like, great, be fine. So, <laughs> <laughs> which kind of is scary in one hand, but also kind of nice in the other, that people, like, Listen, think like, you're that, yeah, you're you, that reliable. You know that much about what's going on in the <laughs> yeah. world right now, that this pandemic's going to be, be fine. Girls. <laughs> totally fine. So where we were staying, had we left 12 hours later than we did. So we played the tournament. It was great. We had a good time. We played the tournament. The following day, if we'd gone to, flown 12 hours later, we wouldn't have got back to the UK because all flights from Spain were cancelled. And 12 hours after that, the hotel shut down for 10 months. So we'd have not been able to get back home and not been able to stay yeah. where we were. And you're just like, wow, I so naively, yeah. reassuringly told all 25 of us, nah, let's go, be yeah. great. So there's, it's definitely one of these positions where you don't prioritise yourself. And I, I don't think people, that's one thing I don't think people understand. You know, there's, there's not that many people check on you. Yeah. <laughs> you just assume that you'll, you'll you have be to be fine, fine. in every you situation. Have, yeah. yeah, and I think that's sometimes the toughest part because you go to big tournaments. It's it's emotional for everyone. Yeah, it's stressful. Um, so you just have to have like your your group of people, which yeah, which you then know you can rely on. Yeah, do you like get much support around that in terms of like how to I guess like we call them and well people in rugby call them like your lieutenants, like you're, you're like kind of like. Okay right-hand women that you would like turn to on the pitch or off the pitch when things are going, for a better word, going badly, <laughs> <laughs> using the wrong phrase there, keep it PC. Um, so like, do you have support around how best to kind of, I guess, use them? Because like, this is something like, I think like, you very much like learn on the job as in mm -hmm. like, because I remember when I first started like in like leadership positions and I, thought I had to do everything myself and like mm -hmm. make every decision myself and like like you say be fine in every situation but like I think like the biggest thing I've learned is like that I'm actually so much better if I don't make any of the decisions hardly like and I actually like rely on other people around me and like use yeah. other people but I think when I first started it I thought it had to be me and um, so like yeah. I'm just interested like from like because rugby is quite a sport where like Lots of people have different strengths, if that makes sense, like around set piece or like mm -hmm. what the backs do and stuff like that. So I have to use other people's knowledge. Whereas when I first started doing it, I would do it myself. But I wonder, like I guess in football, where it's a slightly different sport, obviously, is it the same kind of mentality? I think the, sa the same as you. I've, I've learned as I've gone and I'm yeah. definitely different today than how I was five years ago, ten years ago. And yeah, you, you learn who the people are to help. Yeah. Um, there's one thing, Jen Beatty is the vice captain of the national team and the last camp we were at, she just straight up said to me, she was like, you're just rubbish at delegating. Yeah, <laughs> I've also been told this. And I was like so annoyed. I was like, no, I'm not. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, actually, like I, 
I don't delegate. Yeah. And there are people that want to help. Um, yeah. And there's some things that you can't really delegate, but there probably no, is a lot more that, that I can. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely something that I think is a work in progress. Um, but I think I, I've been fortunate. I've played with a lot of people that have had a lot of experience as captains and you sort yeah. of see how they work. And I think like, and they don't need to necessarily need to be a captain. They can be someone that's just someone you yeah. respects a teammate or someone you've played yeah. against. And um, there's sort of little things that you just pick up and you think that's actually something yeah. I'd like to do or I need to think about that. I've never thought about that before. And and naturally, as you get older, you become a bit more relaxed about what what is really important and what's not. You know, I think when you're younger, you think in the moment, whatever's causing you stress or in your mind, you think it's like the most important thing ever. Yeah. And then you kind of have a little bit of perspective of like, in 24 hours, this, this isn't even, yeah, yeah, this isn't going to matter at all. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, I think you have to learn as you go. Yeah. Is there any like one thing or a couple of things if there is like that you kind of like underpins your leadership so like things which you think are kind of the most fundamental to being an effective leader it's a oh. tough question that yeah <laughs> I think I think possibly in sport the one thing I, I try not is kind of that calmness in tough situations yeah because um, it's already a very heated and emotional time because you know you're playing for your country and Every game is very important, and some of the games you end up playing, you know, like qualifiers, World Cups, yeah, knockout games, things. You know, there's already so much emotion and, and heightened anxiety that trying to have a level of sort of calmness and stability is often really, really important for the whole team and and what you're trying to achieve. So I think that's something that I always try. I'm never sort of too high, and I'm never too low. I'm I'm quite sort of mellow. Uh, okay, so looking forward, obviously at the minute you are going through the qualification process and the lead up to the next World Cup. How important do you think it is to obviously follow up, having been at the last World Cup and that whole process, to qualifying again in terms of the growth of the game in Scotland? Yeah, I mean, I really, really hope we can qualify and we're now in a position where we have a really good chance, well yeah. not a really good chance, a good chance to get at least to the next stage yeah. of qualifying, um, which is a, a good position to be in. Um, to qualify for a World Cup through in within like the European bracket is just so tough. It's the um, same as rugby as well. Yeah, there's just so many really really top nations yeah. that sit. I think I was doing some prep work just for ahead of the Euros this summer, and it's I think it's six out of the top ten in the world are European alone. Yeah, and I think. You know, I think there's 10, possibly 11 slots for Europe in the World Cup. So if you went off rankings, Scotland would definitely be a massive outsider, yeah. um, which was the same the time that we did qualify. But as you say, just every nation has closed the gap, you know, and you're seeing that in qualifying because there's been a number of teams who you typically expect sail through qualifying and get to the playoffs are struggling. And there's a lot of new countries now in the mix to have the chance to actually be there as well. So it's just... It's got so hard, which is great because it's a reflection of the growth the game, yeah. everywhere, sort of yeah. on a global level, which obviously is what you want. Um, it's just a shame that that there's so few teams get to go because I think, um, you know, there, there's the possibility the World Cup will expand in in the very near future, and um, I think that'll be a good thing because there's now a number of teams 
that could really compete. I think obviously it's been restricted in the past because you don't you don't want to go to these major tournaments and see score lines that are mm-hmm. really one sided. That doesn't yeah. reflect the game at all. Um whereas now I think there's opportunity where you could really expand it and it could be, you know, as amazing as and as big as the men's world cup. Yeah. Well, I very much hope you do qualify and I'm sure you will. Um but like just to finish up, um can you pick out one or a series of kind of, I guess, career highlights of what have been the absolute highs um, in your career so far? Okay. Um, so we've touched on the... the world Qualifying for the World Cup is definitely yeah. a highlight. Um, and I'm probably even the first game at the World Cup against England. We lost 2-0, 2-1. Um, I just remember, it was probably one of the first experiences where there was a, a huge home support yeah, in the viewing figures abroad. as well for that, like let alone like who were there, yeah. like it was yeah. like ridiculous. Sort of the day before the game and you, the girls were just going to walk in the afternoon and there were just so many, there was a lot of England fans too, there was just so many Scotland fans. Yeah. And it was just such a surreal experience because we've, it's just something that you've never seen in the women's yeah. game. Um, so, and then obviously the game itself, it was the first first game at World Cup and it was just, although we lost, um, it's still such a memorable game. You guys were class though. Like it, it you, was yeah, really, you lost it was but na- like it was, it was na- yeah. Yeah, it was an we incredible well. game. We did really well. Um which I think was good too because England was the first game we'd had at the Euros two years before. Right, yeah. We lost six nil and it was probably a painful start yeah. to you know, your major tournament experience. Yeah. It's not how you want to kick start the tournament. Um so though definitely those two games um, I think I've it's difficult to pick out one, but I I played in America for seven years, yeah, and I just I had a real a lot of really good opportunities and experiences there, and played with some really really top players, yeah, um, and and that's sort of cool. I think just experiencing how they market yeah. the game. Um, when I first went, I was in Seattle, and they had a really really good rivalry with Portland. Yeah, there's probably the, you know, Portland are one of the best teams. They sell out their stadium, 20, I think it's 25,000 or so. Mad. Sell out every single home game. There's yeah. like a waiting list for people to get a season ticket. And, That's um, so cool. Yeah, it was just such a, you know, I, I'd never experienced anything like that yeah. either before. So things like that. Would, Getting those opportunities. And yeah, really, really cool. Cool. And right, you touched on there that in America you played with like some really cool people. Mm-hmm. Who would you say is the best player you've ever played with? Oh. Um... It doesn't need to be someone in America either. <laughs> Fair. Um, so one, one, I'm going to mention Kim Little because Fair, I, yeah. I virtually, I grew up, I grew up playing against Kim. Really, she's from Mintlaw, which is about probably four or five minutes further north than where I am in Aberdeen. Um, and we probably grew up as rivals, really. Um, and I can always just remember, you know, under fifteen cup finals. Or it, yeah, we've still got some like old paper. Yeah. Cutouts, and now we're now we're really good friends. But it it took until I did go to the states, which I was twenty four, twenty five, for us to actually become friends. She was at the same really? club team. Yeah, was it's, that just because you were just like kind of saw always, each other as rivals? Yeah, um, but not in a not in a bad way. We'd, we'd yeah. cross past the national team and things, Fair. but I wouldn't have said we were really close. Yeah, we were friends, but we weren't really close friends. And now, sort of, when we both got to the US, um, now we're best friends and I think that's like another part of the game where 
you know, it's these people you go through these experiences with and then you can be friends for life. And, yeah. Um, so I'll say, and she's also an amazing player. So yeah. I'll, I'll say Ken. It's not just being a good friend. Um, <laughs> and then I think I, I got the opportunity to be sort of centre-back pairing with Becky Sauerbrunn, who's the US captain at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just, you know, to me, she's possibly one of the best centre-backs that there's ever been. Yeah. So to get to play with her and, and learn from her, and we had a really, again, good friendship, good relationship on the pitch, and, and that was something that was really fun. Um, and then when I first went to Seattle, Hope Solo was goalkeeper, oh, yeah. Meg Rapino played. Um, yeah. And, yeah, two two players that have won so many things. That yeah. You just, you just have You're to like, enjoy well, that. Yeah, yeah, just an incredible opportunity. Yeah. Cool. Okay, and then last question um, that we ask everyone is if you could give your younger self some advice, what would it be and why? Um, so this this is probably like what I would tell myself as I was like 16 or 17, yeah. maybe not when I was like 16. That's or okay. <laughs> um, I think just the importance of the other things like nutrition, fitness. Um, yeah. Not that I was... I was ever not really good at those things. You yeah. know, I, always, I was always an active kid, so I was always yeah. in relatively good physical condition. And I always, um, you know, I came from a family that I would say had a good upbringing, so I always ate relatively well. But just sort of understanding the finer details a little bit earlier, yeah. um, I think would have... I just wish I knew what I knew now, really, in, in, in those areas. Yeah, and I guess, like, that's something, like that young girls will have a better opportunity to now because like you say like yeah the setups at younger ages like these off like that's the bit that I think like we do miss well like we have missed in the women's game is like having that level of professional support yeah. for people coming through that it doesn't take till kind of later in their careers to to know all the things that that you need to know yeah which by that point you've missed a lot yeah. of you know the gains you make as you're developing those things are huge and equivalent boys of equivalent age get start to get that education 100%. at a much younger age yeah so cool okay well thank you so so much for joining us and um chatting to us about your career and best of luck with everything you have coming up thank you thanks for having me.